Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting next to the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. This show truly is unscripted. <laughs> I did not see that coming. All right. Wes, we are a couple days removed now from the Packers 31 to 24 victory at Arrowhead Stadium over the Kansas City Chiefs. And Matt LaFleur, as usual, the day after a game has his press conference, he actually gave the players what's called a victory Monday, where they weren't totally, totally off on Monday leading into their regular day off on Tuesday, but the responsibilities very minimal. A lot of meetings got pushed back uh, to Wednesday morning, so the players getting a bit of a break. One of the topics at Lafleur's press conference was his mentality, his approach with the team, the whole going 1-0 every week, staying focused on, you know, that game right in front of you. It's an it's an old adage, it's a it's a worn-out cliché. But I wrote about this on our website in looking at this Packers team, the 2019 Green Bay Packers. It's this approach is working and it's interesting to me that it's working because this is not a team with a whole bunch of NFL veterans who have chalked up all kinds of playoff victories yeah. and winning seasons. And it's not a roster of 53 guys that necessarily knows what it takes to do that in the NFL, to, to deal with the long haul and the grind and the week after week and staying focused on what's in front of you. Yet um, that's what these guys have done. And they're at the midway point and they're seven and one. And uh, whatever the, the message that LaFleur is delivering is definitely sinking in. Yeah, I, I thought it was a really interesting thing that you brought up in your story today or last night on Packers.com. You know, 42 of the 53 guys on this roster right now weren't even on the 2016 NFC Championship game team. Right. Um, that shows you, I mean, that, you know, there's been nine draft classes since the Packers won the Super Bowl in 2010. So. Yeah, the mentality needs to shift. There needs to be sort of a rejuvenation of this roster. And, you know, I, I was thinking about this too, and it might even be something that leads to a story here in the next couple of days or weeks. You know, Aaron Jones didn't win a lot in college. And then he had, you know, two below 500 seasons to start his NFL career. Suddenly he's 7 and 1 for what I imagine might be the first time since high school, even if they had that much success back then when him and Elvin Jr. were playing for Burgess High School in yeah, the twin, El Paso, Texas. The twin brothers in El Paso. But, you know, I think if you would have come out, if Matt LaFour's message, not that he would have ever done this or any coach would really do this, but if his, you know, message going into the Chicago game to start the season, 100th season of the NFL is. I want to be seven and one at the midway point in the season. Everybody'd be kind of like, "Oh shoot, man, that's a that's a big <laughs> lofty goal." You could have a team coming off of a Super Bowl and not, you know, be able to attain such a goal. Yeah. But when you look at it, and you take it in bits and pieces. There's an old phrase that a, a good friend of mine, Jody Van Lannen, a Schwabdon wrestling coach, always used to use when I was covering preps. You know, ba basically seeing, you know, you're you're, you're eating the elephant. And, you know, it's one bite at a time. You can't take the whole thing at, at, right at the beginning. And I, I look at that in this situation and that perspective and that vision is that you're 7-1 and one and you've earned every single one of those victories and you've done it in a week-to-week -week capacity. And when you have a roster of a lot of young guys that haven't been to this level before, haven't seen this amount of success in this league, you know, I think that's the right approach. And it's, for my money, one of the reasons why I think Matt LaFleur, like I said at the end of yesterday's show, deserves to be in that conversation right now for NFL Coach of the Year. Yeah, I think 
I took a look at the roster construction and putting that story together because I thought it was really interesting. I mean, you and I have been here a long time. You get used to – a lot of people around here got used to the Packers being in the playoffs every year. It was a great run, nine straight playoff appearances – nine or eight. I can't eight, remember. Eight, yeah. sorry. Eight straight playoff Nine's appearances. Cool yeah, well, we'll see. Um, but then, you know, you have two losing seasons back-to-back, and obviously a lot of different reasons a lot went into that. But you look at the roster, 31, 31 of the 53 players were not even in the NFL when the Packers went to the NFC Championship game in 2016. Then 11 additional players, veteran players who are here, were not on that particular Packers 2016 team. And I think, I think the dynamic, and this is a little bit of assumption on my part, but I think part of the dynamic that's making this work is you have a first-year coach whose message is sinking in, certainly sinking in to that bevy of young players on this roster. But you also have the veterans. Yes, you have your Mason Crosby's and your Aaron Rodgers who have been a part of a lot of success in Green Bay. But you also those other veterans who were not here for the 2016 successful season that that ended in Atlanta. You have your Mercedes Lewis, you have your Zadarius Smiths, you have your Jimmy Grahams, um, even Tremont Williams, who was yeah, in Green right. Bay and left and came back. Those are guys who have been a part of successful postseason runs, either elsewhere earlier in their careers, however you want to phrase it. And their message in the locker room is backing up what Matt, the, what Matt LaFleur is preaching to his team about going 1-0 every week and staying focused on that game that's right in front of you and preparing every putting everything you have preparation wise into that one game because frankly Wes that's how you that's how you answer the bell when the Detroit Lions come into Lambeau Field on a Monday night and jump on you 10 to nothing right. that's how you answer the bell when your 14 nothing lead at Arrowhead Stadium is wiped out almost in a flash and you're down 17-14 to start the second half this team has shown an ability to respond and i don't think a team can respond in those situations like that if it's worried about the big picture, if it's worried about anything other than that game that is right in front of it, either from a preparation standpoint or in the moment. And it's working for this group. It really is. And it's funny, if you ever want to have a an interesting conversation, it's one I've had I think once or twice this year. It was with Tremont Williams. Tremont Williams hasn't been to the playoffs since the NFC Championship game in 2014. Yeah. That, and yep. I, I think there was a certain part of him that was wondering, you know, he obviously when he re-signed with Green Bay, that was one of his motivating factors. He wanted to have one more chance to make a run at a Super Bowl ring. But when the season goes like it did last year, and then suddenly you're 36, I mean, you're starting to see the horizon there a little bit. And then suddenly here we are at 7-1 and one, uh, at this juncture of the season. And, and, you know, as much momentum and, you know, feelings as the Packers have right now of what this potentially could become for this roster. But as you said, I mean, I think that's one thing that really stands out to me the most when, you know, you look at this entire roster piece by piece, brick by brick, you know, there's a lot of guys that are hungry and they all have their different reasons. Mm -hmm. you think about Jimmy Graham and, and his continued search for a, you know, a Super Bowl ring. You think about, you know, the young guys on this roster like Jair Alexander that, you know, they want to play winning football. They want to be a part of that. And, you know, even, you know, like the receiver position, Devontae Adams has seen this offense, has seen this roster at its best um, in 2014 and 16. 
that's the stuff that I think when you look at an entire – it's what makes football special. Yeah. Because in the NBA, certainly you can go and sign a guy and bring him in. And, you know, maybe it was Jason Terry with the Bucks a few years ago that, you know, had some pelts on the wall and had, a, you know, an NBA ring tattoo on his shoulder. <laughs> uh, but, you know, a lot of those guys, unless you experience it, you don't know what it's like. But with football, there's so many guys in those locker rooms – that somebody has a story, you know, somebody, you know, has had their heart ripped out, Some somebody has triumphed, and I think it was about two or three weeks ago, Aaron Rodgers talked about it as locker, I mean, there's probably on one hand right now, guys that have a Super Bowl ring in that locker room, and for Matt LaFleur, now he's also a guy that has been at the pinnacle of his coaching profession and seen you know what those big games are like as a coordinator and as a position coach so yeah he was a he was a coach who was in a Super Bowl and on the verge of winning a Super Bowl just three years ago with Atlanta in 2016 when obviously the last time the Packers also had a successful season so I think when you go into a year like this when I think there's as many doubters as they had whether it was Aaron Rodgers whether it was LaFleur whether it was just this entire makeup of this roster if this was all gonna work um, you know, Kevin King, can he be a, a starting cornerback for this team? There's just so many different things that people wanted to throw on this football team. And the reason why, I mean, at the end of the day, that they're sitting here at 7-1 and one is because of their faith in that locker room. Now, certainly they've had to, you know, they haven't been challenged a lot with adversity. There's been a couple instances. And, the, you know, those roadblocks will eventually come and you have to deal with them then. But it's a lot easier to deal with, Mike, when you're five, six, seven games above 500, and that's the position the Packers have put themselves in at the mid-quarter pole. Would you say that? Is that right? The mid-quarter pole of the season? The second quarter pole of the season? No, I just call I just call it the midway point. Ah, okay. Sorry. You always use that. You always like that I know, I always would, I always would say quarter pole, but and then, I'm trying but to then play once off you get it. once you get past that, you can't use that anymore. Sorry, I should have warned no, you. No, that's okay. I liked my <laughs> mid-quarter pole phrase though. I might work that one into inbox here. So. All right. You, no. you you have the freedom to do that. But you're halfway through the regular season now. Yeah. It goes mm-hmm. just like that. And you know, you look at Atlanta and some of these teams that are struggling, you have to be grateful for what you have today. Packers going to L.A. now with a chance to pick up their eighth win. It's yeah. incredible. One other point I want to make, too. There's some interesting dynamics with the the new players that were brought in here, a couple of them that I didn't mention. When you talk about their history in the NFL, their pedigree, whatever you want to call it, you know, Preston Smith, he makes the playoffs as a rookie, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, in Washington. He hasn't been back. Got bounced by the Packers. Yeah, bounced by the Packers as a rookie, but didn't make it back to the playoffs. Now he's in year five trying to get that t- that taste of the postseason and make a run. Adrian Amos finally makes it to the playoffs in his fourth year with the Chicago Bears. They win the NFC North. They get bounced right away in the first round. He decides to obviously go go another way with free agency. He comes to Green Bay, but he just got a taste of it and right. wants to keep it going. Th- to me, it's as you say, every guy has a story, and I think uh, I think a lot of those stories in in the Packers locker room are are adding up to just a really interesting mix as to what's going on. Yeah, here. I smell an inbox headline too. By the way, okay, every, I think either whether it's you or me. I mean, All if you right. want to take that one, feel free. But I think that can definitely work for an inbox headline. No, I mean, and it's absolutely true. And you know, one more thing I just want to touch on before we move on it was another aspect of your story that I was reading that I think is really critical when you look at how this team is constructed specifically on the offensive side of the ball Matt LaFleur was asked about okay you had these emerging weapons now when you look at what Aaron Jones and what Jamal Williams have done what are you going to do with all these pieces once Devontae Adams is back in the fold he said it's a good problem to have yeah it is a you know it is an issue they're gonna have to figure out but what I really like about 
the maturation process of both Jones and Williams, they also know how to operate when they don't get the touches. I'm not saying they won't get touches, but it's not like, okay, you go into a game plan, you know, I got to feed Aaron Jones. He has to touch the ball 20 times. Jamal has to get the ball 15 times. That's just the way it has to be. It's the only way we're going to make this thing work. Those guys are just incredibly flexible with how they use them, and they don't get pushy about it. Yeah, That's, I think, ultimately what can make this offense its most dangerous. There's a lot of unselfish ball players, and it's led by that number 17 in that room and the receivers. Yeah, and I think at the same time, the other, the other perimeter weapons the Packers have, we'll see if Devontae Adams is back this week or whenever he does come back, but I think part of the message at that point is going to be not for – the rest of these guys to oh you know take a deep breath and go oh, okay whew, you know Devonte's back it's like no stay as hungry yeah. as you've been for getting the ball and for the touches yes you have to be you have to be a team player but you have to maintain that hunger and that awareness and that alertness as to when your opportunity is going to come because there's still going to be more opportunities down the road and what has happened the last four weeks and getting all these other guys involved as we talked about the Packers want to make that pay off down the road when uh, those guys individually need to answer the bell in the future yeah because I guarantee you right now Mike the Packers are not going to have an empty injury report in week 16 or 17 no question about there's going to be players yeah. you're going to have to persevere on without it's just the way that you know this game is played the way the league is constructed but the nice thing for the Green Bay Packers is they are now two weeks away from their bye week. They're at 7-1. and one. And for the most part, despite a few nicks and bruises, have had most of their complimentary pieces. And when you didn't have that big one in Devontae Adams, they've still found a way to win. Yeah, keep, uh, keep on winning. Well, let's review a little bit of what happened in Week 8 in the NFL. I think the place to start is the game I think that's most interesting to Packers fans because it involved the Chicago Bears and Green Bay's upcoming opponent, the Los Angeles Chargers. 17-16 to at Soldier Field, the Chargers squeak out a victory. The Bears drop below 500 at 3-4. and four. You want to know how quickly things can turn in the NFL. Just look at the Chicago Bears. They've gone in half a season. They've gone from the defending NFC North champions to last place in the division, yeah. just like that. I mean, and I'm not saying that the season is over for the Bears by any means. They're still, they, they only have seven games in. They've still got nine left to go. They have plenty of time to figure this out. But the Bears lose on a last-second missed field goal by Eddie Pinheiro. Really strange game, Wes, when you take a look at the highlights of this one. Both these teams, the kickers were missing field goals. Both teams were getting the ball inside the 10, inside the 5, goal-to-go situations, and nobody could punch it in. They kept having to settle for those chip shot field goals. That's why the score ended up 17-16. to Both of these teams were absolutely desperate for a victory in a lot of ways, and the uh, Chargers, for everything that's gone wrong late in games for them multiple times this year, they finally caught a break, and the missed field goal gives Los Angeles a 3-5 and five record now heading right. into the matchup with Green Bay. You know, the one thing uh, you, you mentioned, uh, the fact that obviously they've had some issues with kickers in this game. You know, the Chargers, they've kind of been thrown in a bad spot because of Michael Bagley and his injury. I mean, he was one of the top kickers in the league last year. I did talk to him at the Combine two years ago. I just want to put that out there. There you go. Um, and they've kind of had to throw their cards up in the air and, you know, make sense of all this. 
the Chicago Bears, this is nothing new. This has been a storyline that has followed them for a better part of, you know, what, two years now? Two and a half years yeah. at this juncture of it. And Whenever they decided to move on from Robbie Gold, yeah. which obviously looks like a an extremely poor decision on their part because they, they, haven't, they haven't been able to, to make it work. Yeah, and I've said since the beginning, uh, especially when there was this kicking competition, I wish Sam Ficken well in the Jets, but once you know what you have, you don't want to start making questions at that position. Yeah. And credit to both Ted Thompson with Mason Crosby in 2012 and 13, yep. and now uh, Brian Gutekunst that they've stayed true to their kicker. Stand by your kicker. Uh, <laughs> but here's the other thing, as far as the Chicago Bears are concerned. A lot was made out of the decision at the end of that game. I understand why Matt Nagy did what he did. Yeah. Would I have run the ball? I think I would have. Um, now, if you have Adam Venateri in his prime, you know, and it's just like get him the ball at the right hash mark from 41 yards out, you have the confidence, absolutely. That's not the deck they're playing with, though, right now. Yeah. And I think even if it was an extra yard or two, as it showed with, with Pinero doinking it off, what was it, the right upright, left upright? Yeah, his, his first field goal attempt of the day, early in the game, he clanked it off the upright from right. basically extra point distance. Right. Now you're another eight yards back from that. You're relying on him to make a 41-yarder. I think the question to to take a knee there was it, it was a highly questionable decision because, again, let's be real here. This is Soldier Field. Yeah. There, there, you're right on the lake. There's There are winds. This is not an easy place to kick. If you, Anytime you are outside of extra point distance in a stadium like that and you're not smack dab, even if you are in the middle of the field from 40 yards, anything anything 35-plus at Soldier Field can be an adventure at any given right. moment. And certainly with the position the Bears are in and the fact that Pinheiro had already missed one earlier in the game, I just think you have to you have to try to get as close as possible and not just concede that you're going to kick a 40-plus yarder there. And, and uh, Nagy obviously has has gone on the defensive with it. Certainly his his prerogative, he's going to defend his decision. But uh, I think perfectly within anyone's rights to question it. Well, and the way this is going to play out now for the Bears is they have one of the hardest schedules in the second half of the season, really, of any team in the NFL. They, they get that divisional, uh, you know, reward or whatever you want to call it where you got to <laughs> yeah. take on the top those, you know, finishing yeah, those first place teams. First yep. place teams from a year ago. So they're going to yep. have the Philadelphia Eagles here coming up. There's there's a lot of questions there. The 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 Bears are going to have to answer, and it doesn't get any easier, especially with the Eagles coming off a a pretty a big win against the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Um, I look at this whole thing, Mike, and it's just interesting to me in that the way this season is playing out, you have undefeated teams, you have winless teams. We could very well have the first season, you know, since maybe ever that you're going to end up having two winless teams. That's potential. You yeah. Know, the way that this is playing out with Cincinnati right now. And then obviously the, the issue that Miami's working through. But the I mean, you look at this, this Don't conference. Do Cincinnati and Miami play each do other? Do they? They might play each Let other. me look. But as I'm looking at that, uh, the fact of the matter is this NFC race is just incredible to watch. I mean, San Francisco, 
uh, just walloping Carolina. And then you look at you know the way that New Orleans was able to stem the tide to get back to Drew Brees, and Drew Brees looks like he never left yeah. in that game. I mean, that's that's incredible how that works out. They do play each other in Week 16. There you go. I got ahead of myself. There I'm you sorry. Go. <laughs> but the NFC race is compelling. And I think a couple guys talked about in the locker room after the game. I mean, with Minnesota winning again, the Packers have to keep winning. And, you know, the more wins you stack up, obviously you're trying to win your division, but that's also going to keep you at the head of that wild card race and trying to keep you within arm's reach of a first-round buy. So a lot on the line for, for all these teams, but certainly a lot of very talented teams in the NFC that are contending for, for spots right now. Yeah, well, and we, and we saw the Detroit Lions get back on track in the NFC North. Matthew Stafford with another big game. I mean, there are some things out there. You look at, you look at what Stafford is doing at quarterback, and the Lions are right in this thing at 3-3-1. Three, three, and one. They've already had their bye, but they, they have nine games left, and they're going to have opportunities to, uh, to state their case and, uh, and to be talked about amongst the, the NFC playoff contenders. They're, they're, you know, as, as a 500 team right now, they're, they're on the fringe. But you look at what Stafford is doing on a weekly basis, Wes, and, and you know, we all know what a hot quarterback can do for any team. And, yes, they still they can't find a running game, and their best running back is is now injured. Carry on Johnson is is on the injured list, but uh, um, the the Detroit Lions that it's a team to keep an eye on. Yeah, and, and I really I think you got to tip your cap to Matthew Stafford too, because if you don't have a running game, all eyes are on you. Yeah, uh, Trey and he's Carson de- and he's dealt with it a lot. Yeah, over the years, over the last decade, and Trey Carson started this game for Detroit. I mean, yeah. he was on the Packers practice squad two weeks ago, so I mean. It, there are a lot of pressures on him, but he's finding a way to make it work. I've talked about it numerous times. Kenny Galladay looks like a really talented player. At the time we're taping this, there's still a lot to happen with the NFL trade deadline. Yes. There yes. are some overtures out there, some rumors and innuendo that you know maybe they'd potentially be willing to move Darius Slay. I think that would be a mistake. That I mean, would be. I mean, you're t- I mean, that's one of your biggest pieces uh, in terms of your defense. Didn't they make a big enough mistake last year when they moved on from Golden Tate? I yeah. mean, they, they they took Matthew Matthew Stafford's most comfortable target based on the 2018 season, and they just moved on from him, and and yeah. then their season went nowhere. So I, if they're if. Uh, Maybe they're just looking for the king's ransom or whatever, but yeah, even you're you're still in this thing, and you've got a quarterback in his prime. I'm just I, I'm just not understanding the idea of moving on from quality pieces. So do I have a do I have a minute to ask you a question here about Absolutely. the NFL in 2019? Yes. yes. What do you think of the fact that two of the best teams in the league right now, San Francisco and Baltimore? have basically turned the clock all the way back to like 1960 with these <laughs> rushing heavy offenses. I think What do you make great. of it? I I I think it's great. I think yeah. it's I think it's forcing I I think it's forcing teams in a one week preparation scenario and the Packers are going to be dealing with this. The Packers will have their bye week before the San Francisco game, but in a one week preparation scenario to get ready for something that you don't see on a regular basis. It's like what goes on in college football when you have that one game where you have to face like the triple option offense and you're not going to see that at any other time. I mean, that's a little bit of an extreme example, but what these team, what these teams are doing the way they're the way they're pounding the football using quarterbacks in different ways, um, obviously playing playing stout defense. The it's a preparation challenge, and uh, and those teams are taking advantage of the fact that they are they are making themselves difficult to prepare for. Can you win a Super Bowl that way? I don't know. 
I don't know. It's a big question. It is. It is. It nope. is a big. It is a big question because because in January and you know in the playoffs it comes down to making big plays and making a lot of big plays at crunch time in the fourth quarter, yeah. making things happen. You can't. It's really difficult in this league when you're facing the elite teams with the elite quarterbacks and with where you know offenses have been heading for the last 10 to 15 years. It's very difficult to sort of just grind a team to dust, yeah. so to speak, when it comes to January. You can win a lot of games in the regular season, as I say, being a preparation challenge, but then how that carries over to the postseason is sort of the let's wait and see mode, at least for me. Yeah, and I've seen more of San Francisco than Baltimore this year, but San Francisco has been incredibly disciplined, and that <laughs> helps them uh, in how they've been able to succeed. The reason why I think it's a fascinating way to play football, though, because if you look at this past week, I mean, they I think they had three different guys that had 10 carries or something like that. It's great when you're ahead. If you fall behind, that's a challenging way to play the game. Yes, it is. And then when you get to the end of the season, you're playing the best teams. I'm, I'm fascinated by San Francisco. I love what Kyle Shanahan's doing. Really f- curious. And we're going to be able to see it up close and personal here in a month. But very curious to see where that train takes them because it's an intriguing, different look at this league that we haven't seen in a number of years. Yeah. Well, we'll have an interesting discussion on tomorrow's show looking a little bit more closely at the Chargers because they've decided to move on from their offensive coordinator. Ken Wisenhunt has been fired, so some changes in the coaching structure there. But we will get to that on tomorrow's show for now. It's a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. You can subscribe to us, like us on iTunes, and other podcast services on Twitter. He's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.